Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend slash my co-host, Devin. And today, we're here to give our spoiler-free thoughts and insights on Avatar The Way of Water. And on the back half of this episode, I will be covering my Blu-ray coverage of The Woman King, which is now available at your local retail store. But before we begin today's episode, you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And if you are a new or seasoned listener to the show, we would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter at FilmOptics, that is optics with an X, or you can email us at FilmOptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. Devin, how was your time on Pandora? <laughs> How's your week been, buddy? <laughs> I, had, I had quite a long time in, in Pandora yesterday. I watched both movies in the same day. That's like six hours on that uh, on that planet, just kind of hanging out, soaking it all in. Yeah, ooh, man, <laughs> six six whole hours on Pandora. I I will say I I did watch the first Avatar myself a few days prior. Actually, it was the day before, and I gotta say I I, I enjoyed it. You know, like it, it you know it's it's a story we've seen multiple times before. But in its defense, I will say you know how many times we see the same hero's journey over and over. How many times do we see the same sitcom? Uh, situations play out in all these different shows over and over. But yeah, I definitely, uh, I felt like I needed to watch, uh, the first Avatar again before watching this sequel, which what it's oof, 13 years later. Can you believe it? It's insane. Like that is, it's crazy to think about. We got, we got Top Gun and this in the same year. I think it's gotta be a record for longest time between sequels. I know, like, I don't know what's going on there, but it's like the strangest thing ever when it comes to these sequels where in both sequels, I mean, to be honest, I think they both surpass the original, um, especially Top Gun, uh, for sure, because I did not like the first Top Gun all that much. It it was okay altogether. But yeah, so you just been watching some Avatar to spend some time in Pandora. Um, did you finish Andor yet? I have not. I've been on the Wednesday train lately, powering through that one. Uh, I need to. We're, we're, we're almost done for the year, so I'm just trying to, you know, have us push through the rest of this year. And then, you know, we'll be taking our, our standard two-week break to kind of decompress and, you know, gear up ready for next year. I plan on finishing it tomorrow on a Wednesday. It feels right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got one more episode. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. Just eight episodes altogether? Yep. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. So as I mentioned before, we will be getting into our spoiler-free thoughts on Avatar The Way of the Water as this movie is clogging in a little bit over three hours. Our second three-hour movie in one week time. It's crazy. I know, right? Oh my gosh. So Babylon. Well, (laughs) it's been more for me because I watched Tar, which was pushing three hours, not exactly three hours. It was around 2.40, 2.45, but it might as well have been three hours. Um, but yeah, we watched uh, Babylon, um, which will be coming out on the podcast very soon, or spoiler-free thoughts for that. 
And I watched The Fablemans as well. I've been on a big, you know, uh, screener kick because I'm trying to get through as many as these, uh, before, uh, my voting <laughs> for my, um, for my, uh, film guild or however you want my association, and whatnot. So yeah, I've been watching, uh, watched The Woman King, uh, watched, uh, Women Talking, watched She Said, The Fablemans. Oh, it's, it's been crazy. And of course, you know, we watched Babylon and I think my next one is going to be bones and all. I'm not entirely sure. I, I think that might be the next, next one I tackle. I have a few more left and then I'm kind of just done, but yeah, I had to get through a lot of these bad boys. I'm on the very, the home stretch. So with all of that said, Devin, are you ready to take just one more trip? Back to Pandora. I mean, there's going to be plenty more down the road planned if, as long as this one does well. Yeah, I was going to say depending. <laughs> well, how much did he uh, did us? Not uh, Spielberg. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of the Fablemans. How much money did Cameron, James Cameron, say this needs to make in order for Avatar 3 to get greenlit? It's, he said it was like a billion to break even. And then like more than that, get the sequels going. I somewhere I read it was like three billion. Like I think that's world worldwide though. I'm not entirely sure. Um, if anyone out there wants to correct me, let me know over at Film Optics on Twitter. So with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after this introduction to Avatar: The Way of Water. Why do you come to us? I just want to keep my family safe. Treat them as our brothers and sisters. Teach them our ways. Keep up, Forest Boy! If you want to live here, you have to ride. Let's do it. Just breathe. Breathe. And we are back. You just heard a little snip of Avatar, The Way of Water, and the director of this film is the man, the myth, the legend himself, James Cameron. And the writers include James Cameron, as well as Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. And this movie stars Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, and many, many more. More um, surprised voices popped up in this one for me. I believe Kate Winslet is a part of this as well. Yeah, that's the big surprise one. I didn't even realize until after... I yeah, I didn't realize actually until today. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, it, there there's so many talented people attached to this uh to this film." And the story is as follows. Jake Sully lives with this newfound family formed on the extrasolar moon Pandora. Once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started, Jake must work with the Natari an army of the Navi race to protect their home. So it seems similar to the first Avatar, again, that came out 13 years ago, but it's different. And we'll get into that here in a bit. 
But I'm going to shut my trap for now because I'm very interested to hear what Devin has to say about this movie. So, Devin, what are your initial reactions on this film? Let's take a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast Audio Branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, it's very interesting going into this one. I feel like uh, Avatar in general has been getting kind of dogpiled on in recent years just because the the original has not aged as well as some other movies have. And I think people are realizing that the story is, is pretty basic and there really isn't much to it. It is more of a visual spectacle than anything. And that kind of has become the popular thought amongst people nowadays. And I think going into this one, there was a lot going against this movie for me personally. Um, I just think 13 years after... It's just been so long since the original. It kind of feels like it's been hard to like get people hyped for Avatar again. And then James Cameron's also been on the interview circuit, just keeps talking and saying weird things and talking about Marvel and comparing it to that and talking about the budget it needs to make to turn profit. Like just weird stuff that directors don't usually talk about. And it just kind of comes off a little weird. And then on top of all of that, my screening yesterday was delayed by a whole hour. So I was just sitting there just having to wait. We didn't know what was going on. We kept getting updates, but an hour later, it finally started. Despite all of that, I, I still came away impressed with the movie overall, and I still had a, a really good time because of how, just how amazing it all looks. Like back in two thousand nine, Avatar was a phenomenon just because of the three D visuals that everyone had. It swept the nation. I remember we were probably in what like seventh or eighth grade when that came out. Yeah, and I, we I remember seeing it. It was like during the winter, and I just remember going to see it and being blown away. And understanding why it was so popular. And this one just pushes those those visuals just even further. And 3D movies just aren't really a thing. They never became a thing. But for this, you just had to see in 3D because it's it's made for it. It's built specifically for 3D. So if you're ever going to see a 3D movie, this is the one to see it. You don't have to see any other movie in 3D, but this one, it's it. It's just amazing to look at, especially with the water scenes, the underwater scenes in 3D. It's like it's really like you're there. It's it's pretty insane what they did with those. Um, but as, as far as the movie goes, I, I do see the similarities to the first one as far as it being kind of the story of two parts where the first part, it's very slow building into something. And then the second half is just all action, like straight up, just going at it for like an hour straight. For me, I like the first the first act. I think I like how they set things up. I like the setup here where um, it is a familiar antagonist. And I like how um, they, they did that. I thought that was pretty clever how they set that all up. And then I think the second act definitely struggled a bit because I just kind of, it was just kind of middling and kind of just kind of felt slow and, and oddly paced. Um, a lot of whales. I don't even know what the creature was called, but they just looked like whales. So I was like, maybe this one should be called the way of the whale and instead of Brendan Fraser. He could have, he could have been in here too. But yeah, then the third act, it's just amazing. It's just nonstop for about an hour, just kind of nonstop action back and forth on on ship on land in the water in the sky all of it and it just kind of all looks incredible so it's kind of how it breaks down where i like the first and third act but the second one definitely felt like it overstayed its welcome so 
for my initial reactions, um, I wrote this on Letterbox earlier. Well, actually, it was like early this morning because I sometimes I've, I see a lot of people will like pump out their reactions like as soon as like their screeners over with. And for me, I kind of just had to sit down and, you know, sleep on it, think on it. But, you know, after eight plus nine hours later, um, I've actually came to the conclusion that this was a fantastic experience. And like Devin said, when it comes to the the imaging, like just the visuals themselves, I constantly kept talking to myself saying, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, like. Oh my gosh, it, I, I don't know how he filmed this outside of, we know that obviously all the actors are in mocap suits, but like outside of that, I, I don't know how he did. I don't know how he did it. it. It's all, it's all blue people. Like the first one was like a lot of human stuff, but this one was just like all blue. It's all blue. <laughs> it's all blue. <laughs> And obviously this movie is clocking in a little bit over three hours, but for me, it does start off a bit slow, but you know, it is trying to welcome people back to the world of Pandora. And I mean, like Devin said, we saw two, three hour movies within a span of two weeks. And I think this film avatar, the way of water was well paced throughout with lots of action, interesting characters, world building, and a deep sense of like camaraderie, a deep sense of family bonds, and the sense of you know what it means to be a family. And this movie was designed to be viewed in 3D. I mean, this is coming from a person who does wear glasses. And for anyone out there who was listening and saying, oh, you know, well, I have glasses, but I don't have contacts. Will my 3D glasses fit over my actual glasses? Um, I think it depends on your frame altogether, but I have pretty wider, like circular-esque frames. So my 3D glasses fit over my actual glasses, my prescription glasses. They're just regular sunglasses nowadays. Like it's not like it's not the cardboard ones that we used to have. They're just kind of like regular sunglasses. Right, right. Yeah. So luckily, you know, they, they have that. But um honestly, I, I kind of I want to see this again. Like as soon as I can, probably towards a holiday season when I can see it with family. But I think everyone should go see this movie. This movie, it's so grand and it's so big, but the story is simple to follow, which is something I appreciate. Obviously, the first Avatar, you know, it does have like that Dances with Wolves and Pocahontas vibes, but I like how James Cameron was able to take a grand story and simplify it because, you know, there there are these other spectacles and, you know, you can strip any movie down to its simple premise, but it's the way you tell the story. And I think James Cameron did a excellent job of pioneering that for these actors and for the audience, because anyone can pick this up and just watch it. You can, you know, enjoy the, the spectacle that is the visuals, the audio, and then the the story is better than the first one, at least for me. I'm not saying this is the best story of all time, but I have a feeling that James Cameron has taken some appreciation out of Hayao Miyazaki's 
uh, creative vision when it comes to environmental issues. Uh, for those who don't know, Hayao Miyazaki is a Japanese film director. He created a lot of these Studio Ghibli uh, movies, such as like Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, which Princess Mononoke, the film itself, I see a lot of similarities between the two of Avatar: The Way and Wa- uh, the Way of the Water, or the Way of Water, not the Way of the Water, and Princess Mononoke, but. The main theme for me, at least for the first Avatar, obviously, you know, you had the Pocahontas type storyline, but it really was about the preservation of our forests. And I feel like one of the main themes of Avatar 2 is the protection of our oceans. Like, I mean, that's that's just my thought process altogether. But, you know, that is a heavy theme in Avatar 2 or Avatar The Way of Water probably just going to call it avatar too just to you know because <laughs> i feel like a lot of people say the way of the water because that's what i thought it was originally <laughs> i was like oh that's a cult i'm like oh it's the way of water drop the the but yeah overall um you know what Devin had said before when it came to it, it does have a slow burn during the beginning but like i said before i feel like that's them trying to reintroduce people back to the world of pandora because at the end of the first Avatar, and we're just going to talk about the spoilers for the, ver- for the first Avatar, because you had 13 years. <laughs> so, you know, Jake has, Jake Sully has somehow, through through the, um, the well, not the home tree, but the their all-mother, I guess you could call it. Um, he's, he's now a Navi, like, through and through. Like, he is, his spirit is transferred from his... He's pure blue-blooded. From his human body to the blue people. <laughs> but I also wanted to touch on the world building as well, because we see more of Pandora. We, you know, we, we see, obviously, we, we have the forest Navi, and then there is, I'm just going to call them the ocean Navi. And you, you see how evolution works on this world. And it was just so cool to see, like, the water effects. And I'm sorry, I'm gushing right now, but the water effects. Any scene that was underwater was just breathtaking. It was crazy. And I just, I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. For the longest time, James Cameron has been talking about water physics for years. I believe it kind of started with Aquaman. And he's like, oh, just wait until my movie comes out. He's like, I'll show you how water physics works. Honestly, at times, it felt like I was playing a first-person video game. I wanted to talk about that as well. Um, I believe the frames of this movie, I believe he went with 60 FPS instead of like the 24. I was just looking at the IMDb trivia about the frames thing, and it said that he initially wanted to go for higher frames, but it looks like he stuck with the, the regular 24 frames for movies. Yeah, okay, I'm actually looking at that same trivia right now. For some reason, I was talking to somebody, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're like, he went with 60 FPS, this one cinephile guy that I know. I'm like, oh, that's odd. But it feels like it's higher than 24 FPS at times, which is very odd. But I guess that's maybe due to the 3D, because this movie... It, it, does, say only, it does say certain scenes will utilize higher frame rate technology. Okay, so that maybe that's what he was uh, referring to, my uh, my buddy. But 
Yeah, the 3D or the the 20 FPS or 24 FPS at times, I do agree with you, Devin. It did feel like either I was either playing a video game or it was like quick time events of a, you know, of a video game altogether. Um, Did did you find that jarring at all or were you kind of just used to it altogether? It just helped. It just helped bring me into the world even more and just helped Mm. make it a more enjoyable experience. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. That is very interesting. And I guess in certain scenes, well, they utilize uh, oh, higher frame rate technology. Okay, yeah, like you said, that is pretty, that's pretty interesting. So, I mean, I know we've, we've been gushing about it here for a while. Like I said before, this, this movie was made for, it, it was essentially made for the theater. I mean, I don't know how well it's going to look on a 2D screen. I know there are going to be 2D um, screen showings of Avatar The Way of Water, but I feel as though if you want the full experience, if you really want to watch this movie, I would watch it in 3D. It adds a whole other dimension to the movie, literally. It, it really does. It's, and I'm not a big fan of 3D. I'm, I'm usually not. No one is. No one has been since the first one. But it, I feel like there's always some type of tech where Cameron just pushes the boundaries and he's like i want this new technology in my movie i was watching uh chris duckman's video on it and he was saying a lot of the same things that we are about you know this how mind-blowing the visuals are but i've also been seeing a lot of people online saying oh you know people have been talking about how great the movie looks but what about the story and i feel like i kind of touched on that earlier where you know the story is simple i think it's effective i think it's emotional even though you know, the story is a simple one. There are ways for you to elevate how the characters portray certain emotions on screen and how you're able to pioneer your movie or your story into a certain um into a certain way or pioneer it into a specific message, which obviously for Avatar The Way of the Water would be, you know, family bonds and, you know, the importance of family because we, we see a lot of crazy, crazy. Sh- it's uh, it's hard. It's heartbreaking at times for sure. It's funny. It's funny you bring up Chris Suckman because uh, he was actually I spotted him at my screening yesterday. So that was kind of cool. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, he's, he's an Akron guy. <laughs> Cool. Hey, you should have said, "Hey, like, what's up?" <laughs> go sit, go sit next to him in the in the empty theater. Choose the spot next to him. <laughs> How many people were at your uh, your screening? I would say only like five to ten. Yeah, for us it was yeah, I'd say maybe about five to twelve, maybe. Luckily, it was not a, it was, you know, screen, uh, critics only screening. So we kind of just had the whole place to ourselves. I said it like the very top in the middle. One thing, one thing I was going to bring up about the visuals, I, maybe I'm just not cultured in the, in the Navi culture, but I felt like I was having a difficult time differentiating some of them, specifically the two brothers. I was like, they look very similar. They are there's a height difference, but other than that, it's like, okay, which one is which? And then I never really memorized their names. And then it's it's difficult when it's a full on Navi character and you don't know the actor for it, because when they have an actor that you know, it's easy to to recognize the voice and put that to the face. Like with um Jake's character, you hear that voice and you're like, Okay, that's Jake. For Natiri, you hear that 
So it's on a fa- voice, you can connect that to the face. But for the new ones, it's hard to connect it without seeing them in human form, which you obviously won't. Right. And I think that that is a good point to bring up because I wanted to talk about the the children in this movie, specifically Jake Sully's uh, children. Uh, the the two brothers, yeah. For a, for a moment there, it took me a second to figure out who was who. Obviously, like you said, the height difference, but also it was the way that their hair was styled as well. Um, the younger brother had more of like the ponytail and he had like the two little strands of braids kind of always, you know, wisping like around the front of his face. And then the older brother had the more fuller hair almost, you know, kind of just let it down just a little bit. So that, that way I was able to kind of differentiate, but yeah, when it first started out, I didn't know who was who. I'm like, wait, how many kids does Jake Sully have right now? It was crazy. And then, then there's just this uh, wild, wild character running around uh, who's not one of these kids. It's not like the other. They put they put a lot they put a lot on his shoulders in this movie, which I thought was pretty interesting because he has a lot to do in this. I feel like they're setting that up for future sequels. Like he'll have a much bigger role, and he'll have like. Obviously, he'll be a bigger part of the story, but it feels like they put a lot of on his shoulders here. Yeah, there there is Spider. the The character's name is Spider, and he, it, without giving you know the plot away, he he is a he is an aftermath or almost like an afterthought of the events that happened in the first Avatar movie, which actually makes a lot of sense. And he's still he's still not quite as weird as the Sigourney Weaver teenager. So there's there's two things that I had like I guess small gripes about or just gripes in general. Number one was the character of Spider. Um, I did watch Chris Duckman's uh, video and he kind of touched on you know how he was you know without getting, giving anything away his allegiances started to shuffle like a deck of cards almost, and it was kind of hard to pinpoint on what his moral compass wise and what his beliefs were altogether. But that's all I'll say about for spider, but I, I don't think he did a bad job at all. It was just, maybe I need to see it again to kind of like fully understand because it just seemed like he was, you know, flip flopping a little bit between um, a lot of the conflicts that were going on. And then the second thing, and again, I don't think Sigourney Weaver did a terrible job at all. I think she did a great job. There's, there's nothing she can do. Like, how are you supposed to sound like a teenager when you're a, very much so an adult? Yes. So when, you know, you, you have all the children, you know, you know, they, they have all their, their interactive scenes. We see a lot of the children in this movie, by the way. If, if anything, it is more about the kids than it is the adults. Yeah, it's definitely focused on the kids. Um, like the first one's obviously Jake's story, and this one he takes a backseat. Right, right. And you know, he's he's kind of has that that God of War uh, boy thing going on there. There was with, one with... boy, yeah. I, 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 I remember that. <laughs> he's he's kind of got the same vibe going on there a little bit, but you know, we 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 see you know the the ocean navi. And then the forest Navi children, you know, they're they're playing, they're messing around, yada yada yada. And then Sigourney Weaver's character comes in, and I do apologize. Um, Kiri. What was it? Eerie. Eerie. Yeah. Like Kiwi with an R. So Riri. 
No, it just it still starts with the K, but there's an R instead of the W. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, is this Riri Williams? I'm saying so Kiri. I think Sigourney Weaver had a fantastic performance as Kiri. But, you know, when when she's in these heavy dialogue scenes or just messing around with the other children, or, you know, when one of the children's running up to their parents saying, oh, you know, mother, father. It just sounds a little off. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't sound bad, but it does sound off because you have all of these children who more or less are voiced by actual children, at least Jake Sully's kids. And then um, Eerie's... Eerie, right? Eerie. <laughs> Eerie. Okay. Oh, Kiri. Okay, I'm sorry. My, my mic's messing up. I mean, my headphones are messing up. So Kiri, she is born out of particular circumstances that we're not going to get into. You just have to watch the movie. Uh, but Zex is very interesting. I actually, I was very um, interest, um, interesting by her character development. So, but it was, yeah, every time, you know, her voice is mixed in with the children, it just, it doesn't sound like she is the age that she is. Clearly she is a little bit older. I think she's maybe in between the age of the youngest brother and the oldest brother of Jake's children, which Kiri is, also a part of Jake's children, um, just not biologically. But yeah, it, it, it just it sounded a little off for some reason. I mean, it was it's always great to see uh, Sigourney Reaver back, you know, having her come back to the world of Pandora. But feel like they might have, you know, just casted a little a, forced. Yeah, just a little forced. Maybe just cast an actual teenager next time but again that is such a small gripe that i have the that i have with the, uh with the movie because i i think kiri has one of the more interesting story arcs throughout um this this three-hour epic altogether. but it's like the smallest thing <laughs> that you know it may seem like i'm making a big deal deal out of it but i promise you that <laughs> it's not that big of a deal it's just something that i noticed uh, but Devin, did you have any other like concerns or gripes about the movie that we haven't been able to touch on yet? I think we covered it all. Okay. Actually, wanted to bring this little trivia thing up before we kind of close out here. <laughs> so Edward Norton turned down a role after finding out he'd be playing a human, being uh, more interested in playing the Navi, James Cameron, who still wanted to work with Norton, eventually had him cast as Nova in Alita Battle Angel. (laughs) I forgot that even existed, that little end credit scene. What, Alita Battle Angel? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, because Cameron was a part, yeah, he's a part of that too. But I I don't know. It's, It's been a very interesting ride with avatar i feel like a lot of people either try to play it off saying oh you know like it is what it is it's not all that great and i mean i'm kind of in that camp i mean the first avatar i think is a good movie i don't think it's a great movie it, it was a pretty rough watch yesterday the, um after all these years like i was i was watching it and then i kind of paused it at one point because i had to go get something and i saw it was at an hour 21 and there was a, another hour 21 left. And I was like, Oh no, it's so much <laughs> left. I was like, I thought I was, I thought I was breezing through this, but there's just so much. 
it just kind of like floats along until the end where there's some action at least. So I will say for the first Avatar movie, I was very I was actually impressed how how well the CGI held up because obviously you know with when it comes to the first Avatar you you know it's half humans half Navi you really just want to get back to the Navi you know scenes and I think those are the strongest parts of that of the first movie but I will say I actually think the first Avatar is like wonderfully paced like I made it like I think an hour and 45 into it until I had to like use I was surprised of how much ground I covered. I was like, this doesn't feel like I'm sitting here for three hours altogether, but you know, it is, it has like a beginning, middle and end. Everything wraps up at the end of the first movie. And I feel like for this one, I mean, the last hour, it's like you said, it's action packed. It's so emotional when it comes to the story. I know we haven't really touched on the story as much, but the story is better than the first, you know, it's, you know, this is nothing like, oh my gosh, like it's like the best story ever, but it is a very good story. And when it comes to these, you know, more simple story driven scenarios or films, I think that is when you're able to really make a movie shine because I think everyone's going to like this movie. I mean, I, I will probably be getting Avatar 3 and 4. Hopefully, we won't have to wait as long. But James Cameron has done a really great, has done a really great job of world building when it comes to the Na'vi altogether. Even though, you know, there are a lot of similarities to the first one, obviously. Um, when it comes to a lot of familiar faces, when it comes to the villains of the first one. And just the overall, you know, Jake essentially trying to find a new sense of belonging on Pandora because of the events that happened in the first movie and the sky people. But like I said before, it's, it's all about, you know, first one is about deforestation when it comes to avatar one and just a lot of these environmental issues that are popping up on screen that I think people should be paying attention to. And if a child's able to understand that, I think Avatar The Way of the Water has done its job, if that makes any sense. But Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's, I don't know, I mean, like, I feel like I'm gushing over here, you know, it's, I mean, I, heck, I, I like the movie. I liked it a lot. I want to go see it again. I, I think you need to go see this with family or, you know, your significant other, whoever it may be. But I got to hand it to Cameron. Job well done. Just job well done altogether. It, it. It is truly a spectacle. I was just <laughs> blown away by all those water physics. Those water physics had me just the characters very they were in that character. water. Yeah, yeah. It, but even the characters themselves, like they're relatable, and it's not like this isn't something that people should shy away from. Because it is a easy to follow story. This isn't a story that's trying to act smarter than what it is. This is a story about, you know, the, the environment when it comes to our oceans and family ties and the importance of family. That's what this movie is about. If you want to, you know, strip it down to like some of the themes, but everyone's going to be able to follow this 
with no issues whatsoever. So if there is a three hour movie that you want to watch this year, go see Avatar the way of the water. And especially in 3d, if you can see it in 3d, go watch it in 3d because that is, that is the true movie right there. (laughs) I was wow. Oh my gosh. Every single time something appeared, I was like, I, every, everyone felt so real. Devin, like I felt like I, I I could just jump through that screen. I think that's the biggest improvement from the first to the second because the first one it felt like they looked they looked pretty goofy a lot of the times. The uh, the Navi they just kind of didn't really look like they fit in on on the screen. But for this one they looked they look more real, like more natural. Yeah, and like I said before, listeners out there, we're not big fans of 3D. Um, honestly, I think James Cameron is the person who kind of pioneered that 3D um, you know, element into a lot of movies. And you see a lot of other movies out there that add 3D that weren't made for 3D um, you know, storytelling, but <laughs> he, <laughs> he's done it again. <laughs> he's done it again. He's done it again. It's crazy. But let's get into our scores here because I feel like we've been talking about this for a while here actually longer than I thought but hey it's the more we talk about a movie it's all good (laughs) so Devin what would you rate Avatar the way of water and will you see this again um I might see it again if if friends or family um ask to go and and that 30th ticket's a little pricey. I don't know. Probably like 20 bucks. I, I haven't even looked. <laughs> yeah, I know. For, for the 3D, like, I mean, it, it's one thing to see in an IMAX. Like, so we saw it in IMAX in 3D. And at first, I was bummed. But once I found out that my 3D glasses fit over my actual glasses, I was like, all right, let, let, let's do this thing. It was... It was there, but I do agree. If family, friends want to go see it, I, I want to see the look on other people's faces. Like, I don't want to just experience this alone. I've already done that once. We both have. So if we see it again, we definitely got to take our families, whoever it may be, because I want to see the yeah. look on people's faces when they see everything and <laughs> when they experience the story, the visuals, everything. Yeah, as far as score goes, I'd probably go with like a solid 86. Like I mentioned, the second act definitely is a, is a bit of a struggle for me. But other than that, the visuals are unbeatable. Like we, we talk about it all the time, but this is really like cutting edge technology. And you can definitely tell that. And it's, it's so cool to see, especially the 3D scenes underwater, like we mentioned. And it, it was cool to get back into this world. Like I said, I like the setup where we get some familiar faces back and I like the way they did that. It, it, it felt natural and, and it was a pretty creative way of doing it. So mm. definitely, definitely impressed overall. For me, I think I was going to give this it's like a solid 90 out of a hundred. I think right now, Ron tomatoes, at least for the tomato meter sitting at sitting at 84, which is exactly where I probably would uh, put this for a lot of critics. But I mean, the, this movie just has a way of pulling you in like, into the deep end, like quite literally, uh, literally and figuratively. It, I mean, <laughs> James Cameron's he, he's done it again. That, that's all I can say. It really, it actually has kind of like rekindled my interest in this world because 
I, I do like I'm, I'm in it for the ride. Like I want to see where this goes. You know, this isn't my favorite movie franchise by any means. You know, we've only had two movies so far considering how it took 13 years for this one to come out, but you see why it took so long for this movie to come out because James Cameron is so hell bent on like attention to detail for like every, like every single, every single shot Every single piece of dialogue, every single sh- uh, scene that happens, it's it's crazy. But, I mean, job well done. I mean, I didn't, I mean, going into this, I didn't, like, you know, I wasn't like, oh, you know, like, this is going to be terrible. But, like, I just didn't know what to expect because, you know, like you said, Devin, it, it's been so long since we've been introduced to this world. And I hope it doesn't take longer to get to Avatar 3 and or 4 if, you know, if, if he makes it that far. But there's so much movie in this movie. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's it's crazy. But with all that said, that concludes our Avatar The Way of Water spoiler-free review here on the podcast. And if you like what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FilmOptics. That is Optics with an X. And as always, you can share an episode of our podcast with a friend, whether it be your mother, your brother, or your significant other. Make sure to share an episode of the Film Optics podcast with a movie lover in need. And now let's take a sneak peek of what's coming up on our show for the rest of the year. So what's out right now for people to go ahead and listen to, you can uh, listen to our violent night review, as well as our Willow episode one through three spoiler free review and our guardians of the galaxy holiday special review are now available on podcast platforms around the internet and what's on deck for our podcast throughout the end of the year. We have our top five, favorite Christmas movies episode that will be dropping next week, possibly around the, uh, I say 18th, 19th of December, right before Christmas, just in time for Christmas. And as well as our, the whale review and our Babylon review as well. And both of those are spoiler free. You know, these are bigger movies that are coming out this year. We try to, just, you know, keep, keep the secrets under wraps. We want people to ex, uh, experience these movies as, you know, as the way that they were meant to be. You know, we, we, we love you guys that much. But with all that stated, let's dive into our Blu-ray review of The Woman King. When it rains, our ancestors weep for the pain we have felt in the dark hulls of ships bound for distant shores. When the wind blows, our ancestors push us to march into battle against those who enslave us. When it thunders, our ancestors demand we rip the shackles of doubt from our minds and fight with courage. We fight not just for today, but for the future. We are the spear of victory. We are the blade of freedom. And 
And we are back with our The Woman King Blu-ray review. This is a review copy provided by Sony. So thank you to Sony for sending me this review copy for the purposes of this podcast episode. So the Woman King is now available to purchase at your local retail store, including Best Buy, Amazon, Walmart, Target, you name it, it's there. As I mentioned before, today I'm going to be covering the standard Blu-ray copy of The Woman King. There is also a 4K UHD copy of this film that is priced at $24.99, while the standard Blu-ray is priced at $19.99 at your local retail stores. So for those who don't know about The Woman King, or at least about this film, this film is inspired by true events. This is the remarkable action-packed story about an all-female unit of warriors who protected the African kingdom of Dahomey with skills and fierceness unlike any other the world has ever seen. So this film follows the epic and intense journey of General Nasco, which is played by Oscar winner Viola Davis as she trains the next generation of recruits and readies them for battle against an enemy determined to destroy their way of life. So before I get into the picture and the audio and the special features of this movie, I just want to say that I'm actually a little ashamed of myself for putting this movie on the back burner for as long as I did. This movie is a true gladiator movie of the 2020s. It is a fantastic, dramatic, and action-packed blockbuster with superb acting and direction. And Viola Davis, as always, is deserving of being the world's most famous actress because of it. And if you enjoy movies such as 300 or Gladiator, or heck, even Black Panther, this film is right up your alley. This is a rousing, intense, and passionate historical action drama with an outstanding cast. Like I said, if you haven't seen this movie, Definitely go pick it up on Blu-ray. Definitely go pick it up on digital. I don't believe it's streaming anywhere, which I think is more of a good thing because I think everyone should own a copy of this movie one way or another. So as far as the picture goes for The Woman King on Blu-ray, at least, the film's color palette is predominantly earthy and there are plenty of color bursts on the garments and natural greens to admire in this film. There's not a lot of flashy garments or whatnot, but there's rather a anchored and color perfection that mixes very nicely with the surrounding environments of the African plains. The black level depth of this film is excellent, especially during the night scenes, and the white balance is also superb, and... The skin tones of each actor and or actress looks healthy and natural. There's no complaints on my end. This is a first-rate standard Blu-ray picture from Sony. As far as the audio is concerned, I've always felt like Sony has 
treated their standard Blu-ray releases more as second-class citizens more than a way. It feels that they really push the 4K UHD copies, which I totally understand, but there are a lot of people out there who do not own a 4K Blu-ray player or a PlayStation 5 for that matter. And it is a bit disappointing that the Dolby Atmos soundtrack is only available on the 4K UHD disc, but at the same time, I kind of get it, but it would have been nice to add that to the Blu-ray release. But I will say the DTS HD Master Audio 5.1 is no joke on this Blu-ray. You can hear every single sword swing, every single blade crash, and every single bone break as if you are one with this tribe. But there are times where I feel as if the audio is missing an entire level of immersion. I mean, with the 4K disc, you get this this track that's so seamless. But I feel as if the audio on the standard Blu-ray does maintain a level of quality. It does maintain a level of quality. It does maintain those action sequences well. And I feel as if fans will be thrilled each time chaos explodes on the screen. So moving on to the special features, there are an assortment of bonus content that you get with the standard Blu-ray, including a Caterpillar's Destruction, which is exploring Viola Davis's draw to the film and to the material and how it spoke to her at her very depth, um, as well as the character she plays, the physical training and the stunt work that she had to endure. It's it's a pretty interesting uh, piece of bonus feature on this Blu-ray. And there's a few other things that you get with this, as well as a audio commentary with the director, uh, Gina Prince uh, Bithwood and the editor as well. And there's also a nice little special feature called the representation matters, which is the opportunity to explore African history through the film and the connection to the modern day connecting with the characters of the film and the real history behind the Agoji warriors combat tactics, the film's historical accuracy, also accompanying with trying to cast darker skinned actors and more. So as for my final thoughts go on whether or not you should pick up The Woman King on standard Blu-ray and or 4K Blu-ray as well. Regardless, I highly recommend it to any movie fan or Viola Davis fan out there. The Woman King is a highly talented, well-crafted, and meaningful film that tells a narrative of empowerment, but also of vital humanity. And it's well-crafted from start to finish, with Viola Davis shining in the starring role. And I think Sony's Blu-ray offers a great video and audio presentations, as well as a pleasing amount of bonus content when it comes to these special features. So that concludes our Blu-ray review of The Woman King here on the show. Again, if you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice and make sure to share an episode of our podcast with a friend, whether it be your mother, your brother, or your significant other. Make sure to share an episode of the Film Optics Podcast with a movie lover 
in need. And with all that said, that it's a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know at Filmoptics. Again, that is Optics with an X. I'm your host, Christian, and I will see you guys in the next one.